0: Hello, and welcome to episode five of No Techno Bubble. I'm Kyle Heath, your host. Today, I've titled this episode, Don't Be Proactive, Be Preactive. I think it's a good place to start with, what actually, what am I talking about by being preactive? Because preactive doesn't even kind of sound like a real word, whereas proactive is something we're all familiar with. Proactive means being ready for something before it happens or ready for something when it happens so that we can deal with it better. So if I put it in perspective of what the podcast is about, about IT and technology and your business, back in the old days of IT, when something broke, you went out and fixed it. There wasn't even any proactiveness in those days. You simply sat there and waited for the phone to ring. When a computer broke, you asked what the problem was, and most of the time you went out there in a van and you fixed the problem. That was pretty much standard stuff. That was 20-odd years ago. Then about 15, 10 to 15 years ago, We started to do stuff in IT where you monitored things for faults and you started to look for trends or predictive faults coming and then you reacted to those. So that made you sort of proactive. You were looking for things to go wrong, but really you were still knowing about it faster than the customer was probably what it really was. So rather than it breaking and the customer ringing you up and saying this is broken, you would know it was broken before the customer was. You'd ring them and tell them it was broken and then you'd do something about it. That was all your proactive way of working. Now, neither of those are really very good for our business. And here's the reason for it. In either case, something's broken. Either way, you know about it first or I know about it first. But whichever way it is, something's broken. And uh, ultimately, that's not what we want. We don't want things that are broken. We want things that don't break. So how do you do that? Well, you can't in many ways. It's not possible to see the future. We know that for sure. But it is possible to think about what are the problems that might happen in my business and then avoid them or skip over them. And that is what I mean by being preactive. How can you predict what it is before you need it? How do you know what it is that you want before it's happened? We have to think about what the outcomes are that you want from your system. And then you can plan to design systems or put things in place that provide you with what it is that you want. So a classic example of that that somebody might say is, well, I always want to have access to my email and always have access to my files. That's a really simplistic way of dealing with it. But there's not one of us who uses a computer in the business that doesn't want that. Access to our files and access to our emails. It's a very common standard. So let's say we put that in place and that's what we want to have. What's going to happen if we're working as we work at the moment? Well, the chances are we're going to be working around a proactive system we're going to be working on the basis that a fault will occur and when it occurs somebody's going to fix it for us but we're probably already in our mind comfortable in thinking well they're going to fix it really quickly and that's the bit that I want the most and you only have to take a look at the websites of most IT support companies out there that look after other businesses look at their website and you will see all over websites companies boasting about how many tickets they've resolved in a period of time Tickets being the IT term for a problem. How many things, problems that they've solved in a period of time. The number might be counting up on some of them. It might be in the hundreds or thousands, depending on how big the companies are. They're constantly going on about how many problems they've fixed. But when you think about this, who wants to know about how many problems somebody's fixed? It's kind of like going to a doctor who tells you to eat a specific diet but when you get ill, because you've eaten that diet at some point, they'll be ready there to help you. It would be more sensible for the doctors to tell you about a diet that wasn't going to give you a, a, an illness problem. It would make more sense for the doctors to advise you what it is that you should eat that will cause you not to feel unwell. That would be more what we would want in a health sense. None of us would take it in a health sense if the doctor told us, you eat eat this diet and it will at some point make you really unwell. But when you are really unwell, you, I'll be ready for you in minutes I'll be really fast and ready for you. That just seems pointless. Why wouldn't we want a diet that never made us ill and made us more healthy? Which means that we could focus on knowing that we could do whatever it is we want to do. And there wasn't going to come a point in which we were going to be ill and it was going to spoil our day. This is something that sadly, massively, (laughs) it's lacking in IT. It doesn't exist. Everybody, well, pretty much everybody, everybody is based on this, Reactive, proactive, reactive. I'm going to fix your problem as fast as possible when it happens. They Whether they say that they are proactive or reactive, it's the same situation. Someone's monitoring something and they're going to react to it quickly when it goes wrong. But the problem is it's still gone wrong. And that's what we want to get rid, rid of. And that's what I want to talk about today, about being preactive. How do you be preactive in your business with your IT technology so that you can minimise the chances of anything going wrong as much as possible? Because I'm not going to put myself into cloud cuckoo land and say that I've got solutions for things that will never go wrong. I'm not naive enough or green enough to say that that's the case. However, it is possible to put things in place that can minimise the amount of times that things go wrong way above other ways of doing things. So let's go back to that classic case of the files and emails that we were talking about that I mentioned that everybody has access to. Now, usually in a smaller business, or even a, you know, it could even be a big business, there's a server that holds those files. And by a server, I mean that's a computer that's in the building somewhere in the in the company. It's a physical object. It's an electronic big computer that holds all the data. And at some point, if particularly those of us who worked in a small business, we probably heard the expression "Oh, the servers down." which means it's not working. And that's when you call your IT support company or if they're proactive, they've already told you, oh, yes, we've predicted that your server's going to fail in two hours and then it fails and then we'll be out soon to fix it. Here we come. We're going to fix that problem for you. What you've got there is you have got a system in place in your business that you know is going to fail because it's a piece of electronic hardware and electronics are inconsistently unreliable when they are run in a singularity, when you run one individual instance of them. So, when you run one server device, the chances are that at some point in the lifespan that you own it, it's going to have a problem, particularly since it's hardware and software at the same time. So, that's hardware means it's the actual physical electronics that are inside that piece, that box. That's the circuit boards, hard drives that store information, the CPU that processes information. And of course, the software that runs on it. Most likely, most businesses run a Windows server, but you might run a Linux server, or you might run even an Apple server. They're quite rare, but you know, sometimes exist. But the chances are you'd be running a Windows server in your business. So you've got an issue where the software might go wrong, and we all know this. We've all worked on Windows computers, I'm sure, and we know that sometimes the software goes wrong, and something doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and that's when you get, have you turned it on and off again from the IT people and that kind of thing. So if we base it on the idea that if you've got a server in your business, the chances are at some point in the lifespan that you own that server, the hardware's going to go wrong or the software's going to go wrong on you. The chances are statistically pretty high of that. So, what you're doing is you're already committing yourself to a direction that says, I know a problem's going to occur. What I want to know is, how do I deal with it when that problem occurs? Why do we accept that? Why do we accept that? Is it because it's all we've ever done? possibly, because it was all that was possible. There wasn't another approach to it. Over the last 15 years, there wasn't 20 years. There really wasn't another way that you could do that in a business. If you wanted to share data with other people in your company, you had to have a server to do it. And the best way of doing that was to have a server in your office in the corner of the room. But those things have changed. And yes, we can plan to have spare parts available for our equipment. And yes, we can have a relationship with the local company. And yes, they can be monitoring it for us so that they know about when it fails before we do. All of these approaches ultimately are fundamentally flawed. We're accepting that the system will fail. So how do we get past the problem? How do we skip past the problem? Well, one answer might be, why don't we just get rid of the server that's in the office completely? Because if it's not there, then it can't fail. Okay, there's some logic to that, but what are you going to do? How, how are you going to do that? So if the server's not there, what's going to do what the server did? Now, that didn't used to be an answer to that. You couldn't do it. It was very difficult to do that sort of 10, 15 years ago. There was no other alternatives. However, over the last five years or so, the access to what's called the cloud is what's replaced that. And this is really what you should be looking at in your business. If you've got a business that's between anywhere between you as a solo in, individual and you know, you, we, up to thousands of employees, really, it, I mean, it covers all scopes. But I'm talking particularly relevant if you're in the 1 to 100 employee-sized businesses. You do not want to be having a server in the corner of your room. You don't want one server, two servers, three. You don't want any of them. You want any of these things because they're going to go wrong on you. They cost money to look after. They cost money to buy. They use the electricity up. They take space up. They're noisy. There's a myriad of reasons why you don't want to have a server. You've got to back them up. There's all sorts of stuff you have to get involved in. Wouldn't it be better if we could open a piece of software on our computer and have access to the data and, and have access to the data in our teams and we could have what you might even call a virtual server, invisible server? Wouldn't that be a better way? Well, This is what you can do now by using the cloud. And when I say cloud, cloud means data centers that are run by big companies like Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. Great big buildings full of hundreds of thousands of computers that you access over the internet and use. So this is how you do it. This is how you're preactive. By being preactive, what we've done, is we've looked at the problem. The problem is we've got a server in the office, and the server might fail. So let's get rid of the server. And that's what we do by skipping past that and removing the cause of the problem. So now what you do is you have a system like Google Drive where you open the software, you open the web browser, or you open the Google File Stream software that you've installed on your Windows computer, and you have access to all of your files as if they were on a server. In fact, it'll even look like that. So if most of you are familiar with working with Windows servers, you've probably seen a mapped network drive or drive letters, the F drive, G drive, H drive, that kind of thing. It tends to be where people keep their data and they know how to find it. Oh, it's in the F drive. Well, if you've got Google File Stream installed, you'll see a G-Drive on your computer, and it'll look exactly the same as the G-Drive you've got now, except it's not on the server in your office. It's in in a myriad of Google servers online. Now, this means that straight away, that's not going to go offline on you if there's a power cut. It's not going to fail because it's not in the corner of the office. It's not going to use electricity. It's not going to use heat. It's not going to make any noise. It's not going to need an expensive support contract with a company to look after it. None of those things, because it doesn't exist. It's online. Yes, you can share it with your team members. So two of you can open it. Three of you can open the G Drive and see the data. And yes, you can have personal data. And yes, you can have a folder for accounts and a folder for sales and a folder for HR, but not allow everybody into HR, but some people into sales and then some people into accounts. All that kind of permission stuff that you had on a server where this person's allowed into that. You can do all of that in the cloud with Google Drive as well. So you can completely replicate what you did with the physical server but you can do it in software without actually having to own the server, which means you can skip past that problem. So you no longer need to think about who is proactively monitoring your system for you because there's nothing to proactively monitor because you've handed that off to a massive organisation like Google who are taking care of that for you. And with any sensible human going to know a big organization like Google has got way more resources to look after your data than you have, or any local business has on your behalf? Who's who's more likely to have the failure? Your server in your office, in your premise, under your electricity and your environmental factors, or a multi-billion dollar organization like Google or Facebook or any of those other organizations? How often are those things offline? Extremely slim, So you start to see why when you move your small business to using cloud technology, you are going to get reliability and predictability that you can't get when you own your own kit. Let me give you another example. Phone systems. People always say to me, I've got to have a phone system because I need people to call me. Okay, that's fair enough. You want to get inbound inquiries for your business, people need to contact you. That totally makes sense with that. I'm not knocking that in any way. But phone systems themselves tend to be expensive. And when people call you and you're not in the office, the phone's ringing in the office, but it's not ringing on you. What do you do, for example, if you've got a snow day and people can't get to work, but it's not going to impact what your business does. Your business might be a solicitor's, your business might be an accountant's where people can do things when they're not in the office, but the phone's are ringing in the office because it's snowy and no one can get there. Well, the answer isn't to have a phone system that forwards it to mobiles. That's a proactive, that's being proactive, that's monitoring for when there's a problem and doing something else. Preactive in this instance, would be to have a phone system that's not reliant on being in your office. I.e., again, it's a cloud-based phone system. And what I mean by that is that the actual phone system that where you inbound phone calls on the phone number go to is in data centers, again, is in the cloud. And you have an app on your mobile phone that rings. So your mobile phone becomes your phone. And that's a very clever way of working because everybody has their mobile phone with them. Now, you don't, again, have to buy a load of mobile phones for employees either because I bet you, bottom dollar, your employees have got great mobile phones. Most people do and they spend a lot of money on them and they like their phones and that their phones come with most likely unlimited data plans, unlimited phone calls, unlimited text messages. So they've got one fixed cost anyway and they're going to use them. Well, if you install your business phone system app onto your mobile phone, their phones can ring as if they were in an office. It's the same thing. And what's the chances of somebody being without mobile phone, 4G signal these days, or Wi-Fi? It's it's really, really, really slim. Everybody's got this kind of stuff everywhere. So now you're looking, by being preactive, you're skipping past the problem of how do I take phone calls when I'm travelling, when I'm not in the office, when there's a snow day. Well, you've, you've got past them because you've decided to put your phone system into the cloud, and then you've decided to leverage the power of the device that the person's already got in their pocket that they're already paying for so that you don't have to pay for it. But in return, what you're giving the employees is they don't have to use two mobile phones, carry them around with them, and they don't have to use a crappy mobile phone that you've bought for them. And I mean, it's going to be crappy because you don't want to spend a £1,000 on an iPhone X for all your employees to take phone calls. So why not leverage the phone that they've already got and then you don't have to pay for it, and they get the bonus of using the phone that they love. It doesn't cost them any money because they've already got an unlimited data plan. And if they don't have an unlimited data plan, then you could agree that with the employee by giving them a small raise to bump up the cost of their mobile phone, to give them an unlimited data plan. So you are, they, okay, so you're paying for it then as the business, but you're paying for it as a little bit in their salary raise for them. But you don't have to have a phone system on site, you don't have to have support for that phone system. That's on site. You don't have to buy multiple set of mobile phones for employees so they can simply make phone calls. You are thinking smart and jumping over the problem. You're jumping over the problem. Then you don't even have to have desk phones in your office any longer. And if you don't have desk phones in your office, then you don't have to have expensive network cabling in your office. And that saves you a load of money too. And you can run everything off Wi Fi. And isn't that just easier? Because then people can sit anywhere they want. They've got to have cables in the floor and they don't have to have desks next to cable sockets. And the whole thing extrapolates out into a really free and easy way. And now your business can operate kind of from anywhere because I'm not going to talk about it in this podcast, but I advocate that all businesses should always buy laptops now and never buy desktops and monitors any longer. Just buy laptops. They're more versatile. They're only a little bit more expensive, like 100, 150 pound more expensive than the desktop. Just buy the laptops and then you've got complete flexibility. People can work from any desk anywhere with a mobile phone as long as they've got Wi-Fi or they've got a 4G signal. And the chances of somebody not having Wi-Fi available or not having 4G that they can tether, and by tether I mean you can connect your laptop so it goes out through your phone. So if you go somewhere and there isn't Wi-Fi that you can use at a customer's site, they don't allow you to use their Wi-Fi, for example, well, you can connect yourself to your mobile phone and use your mobile phone to do it. So the, the limit, you know, you're lim- unlimited now in where you can work from, this makes a lot more sense to me than doing it in the old way, the old way of putting a phone system into your building and paying for an expensive phone system and a maintenance contract for your phone system. When actually, all you really need to do is pay for a cloud based phone system that brings inbound numbers, your phone number for your business, and runs it through that phone system through to the app on the phone. So you do have to have a relationship with somebody to do that for you, but it's a lot less complicated. You're gonna pay a company for the number of employees that you want to have phone calls. You might have one phone number that comes in and it gets answered by a couple of employees spread across like you used to, like a reception, or you might have direct dial numbers, I know, and you'll pay for that per user and each user has the app on their phone or on their computer as well, because you can do that too. So you can have, the, you know, the laptop can ring as well if person people wanna work in that way. But there's no need for you to have a phone system on site and expensive maintenance for the hardware for the phone system on site. You don't need to lease it over years and years. You can move to an environment where you pay a company for the amount of users that you want over a period of time. It might be month by month. It might be a 12 month contract, but it's a lot less rigid than some phone system contracts I've seen where people have signed up for five years or seven years for a piece of hardware, who wants to buy a piece of hardware for seven years, it's going to be like an antique by the time you've finished with it and you'll have paid for it ten times over it's It's not a sensible way to work. The way you want your business to work is as flexible as possible so that you can adapt to changing times. And the way that you can do that is with these subscription-based services. And this is exactly the same what I'm talking about why you don't want a server. You buy a server and you're going to have an investment over a period of time, usually three to five years was what people thought about doing. So you're going to buy it over three to five years with an associated maintenance contract for three to five years. And it's got to physically sit somewhere in your building and use electricity for three to five years. Well, What if you bought access to your files and your storage on a per user per month basis? And that's exactly what you do if you're using Google G Suite. You don't even have to sign up for your annual contract. You can buy G Suite on a per month basis. So you can gear up your employees for a six month project and then down your employees when you're finished. This works really well with the gig economy that we're in at the moment where we hire people as contractors to come in, do something for a period of time, and then leave the business again. And all of this gives you the flexibility to gear up and gear down as you need to. Whereas if you buy the server, and then suddenly your business expands dramatically in 18 months. You'll find that what you bought 18 months ago isn't good enough for the 18 months point where you are now. And then you've got to invest again and do an upgrade. Or maybe you've got to buy a new server. And if you're dealing with a company that's a bit unscrupulous in what they do in IT, and they do exist out there, they're going to tell you you need to buy a new server and invest again. And here you go down the expensive route of buying in again and buying more hardware Whereas if you skipped over that whole problem and you put yourself in a position where you're using a Google serve, Google G Suite, then you can add people as you want to add them. You've got a cloud-based phone system as well. You can add people as you want, remove them as you want to do. You're in a really flexible position and all of your costs are easy to work out. They're operational costs and you can predict your costs every three to six months ahead instead of having to look at five-year contracts and all this kind of stuff. So there is a lot of sense in being preactive, looking at the problem that you've got with technology in your business and finding a solution that skips past it. Stop this idea of having something in your business and then having a solution for what you do when it goes wrong. That's old school, new school, is looking at what the problem is and skipping past it with something that doesn't go wrong or something that fits you better than what you had before. Now, you might say to me, okay, Carl, but what if Google goes down? What, what do I do then, clever? Okay. Well, let's have a look at probability because probability is something that affects most of us in our life. And I'll give you an example here of flying. Loads of people have a fear of flying. Lots and lots and lots of people do not enjoy flying and they find very anxious and upsetting when they fly. They're nervous. They think they're going to die. They can't help it. You know, it's not rational, but it happened. Yet when they drive to and from the airport, particularly when they drive home from the airport and it's middle of the night and they're tired, they don't have any worries about that whatsoever. Now, statistically, you're way more dangerous. You're way more dangerous driving the car, particularly when you're tired. You're way more likely to die or be injured when you're driving the car than you are when you're on the aircraft. The aircraft is a well-maintained piece of equipment that has rules and regulations for its maintenance. It is operated by professional employees who are checked and verified that they can do what they need to do and are trained to do what they need to do in an emergency on a consistent basis. Whereas you got your driving license when you were 18 years old and that's it. And uh, the maintenance on your vehicle is whatever you choose it to be. There's no schedule to maintenance. You can do what you want. You get an MOT once a year, but that doesn't mean that your car's safe to drive by any long shot. However, most people will agree that they'll feel more comfortable driving their car to and from the airport than they will when they're on the airplane if they're not a good flyer. And this is all about your perception of something rather than the reality. So your perception, back to the IT case, is that what if Google goes down? Your perception is that I'm at risk because Google may go down. The reality statistically is that Google's not going to go down. The reality is that your system, your server in your office, is way more statistically likely to break than it is for Google to go down. The statistics are that they are more likely to have a power cut in your office than you are, than Google to go down. Because remember, if there's no power in your office, your server doesn't work and you can't do anything about it and that's it, you're stuck. But if there's a power cut in your office and you're using Google, then you can go to a coffee shop or go home and your employees can work. They can pick up their laptops and take them home or work from somewhere else. It's only your office that's limited. But if your server's in your office, you're stuffed until it's back. If you have, if you've got your server in your office and you're not connected to the internet because your internet connection's down, you're stuffed. Whereas if your internet connection is down in your office for whatever reason, someone's put a JCB through the pipes outside. You can send all the employees home or send them to shared Wi-Fi places, hotels, coffee shops. There's so many places you can go to, and they can work. So you have to look at statistics rather than your perception. Your perception is that it's better. You're more comfortable to see your server in the corner of the room and know it's yours. You're more comfortable to not believe the hype and believe that you are less likely to have a fault than these big, big corporations and where of my data and all of this. But statistically, it's the complete opposite, like flying. Statistically, you are way, way less likely to have any faults when you put your data with a provider like Google, when you have it in their data centers, when you're working from the cloud Statistics show that you're safer and more secure than you'll ever be in your own office, but it's your perception of it. Another one that somebody might say to me, well, what if you're wrong, Kyle? What if you're wrong about this? What if you're wrong about moving to the cloud? I move to the cloud and then everything changes and it goes back to other things, goes back to something different and now I'm going to jump back on this trend. What if you just, everything you're talking about is just trendy? Well, look, there's always changes in technology and things that start small get big. The smartphone, as we know it, has only been around since 2007, so it's 11 years now for the smartphone, The i.e. the touchscreen phone with the icons on it like Apple started with. Social media didn't really exist before 2003. Everything is pretty, pretty new, and this trend to the cloud of working via connectivity and through your phone and your laptop and tablets and everything being online and not in a server in your office is a fairly new concept. And like I said, it was it's been around for ten years, but it's really only been easier to do in the last five years and it's very simple to do today. So yes, in a sense, you know, somebody might say, well what are you wrong about this? No. No I'm not. The hard trend, the hard trend is everything is moving to the cloud. Do you see anything in any industry moving back to being small based out of your office or is every single thing that you look at moving to being run on an anywhere, anytime basis over Wi-Fi. It's the latter. There's nothing that's going in the other direction. And this is exactly the same for your small business. Everything is going to go to the cloud. So you don't want to be fearful of this. You need to let that fear go. It's a a misguided fear. It's right to be sceptical sometimes and not to get pulled into something that isn't right for your business. Totally understand that. Do due diligence. But... The direction of IT is going to the cloud. That's the hard trend. That's where it's going to be for the next 20 years at least. There's no, absolutely zero signs of it going any other direction. And what happens is we're not at tipping point at the moment, as Malcolm Gladwell writes about in his book. We're not at the tipping point when it changes and everybody jumps on the bandwagon, but we're pretty, pretty close to it now. So there's still time for you to get get in and get ahead of other people and save yourself time and money and effort by getting involved in this. So when people talk to you now, if you're running a small business and someone says, you know, it's time to upgrade your server. Do you really, really want to question that? Why? Why do I need to upgrade my server? Why don't I move to using cloud-based systems? And if your IT provider doesn't talk to you about cloud-based systems or insists that you want a server, you really want to be questioning whether those people have got your interests at heart or have they got the interests in what they sell more than your interests Every frustration that you've got in business to do with technology, you want to have a look at and ask, how can you eliminate it? What frustrates you about what you do with technology in your business? And then ask the people that you work with, your IT provider, your IT manager, how do I eliminate this? Not fix it, not react to it, eliminate it, skip over it, bypass it, get past it, remove it. That's what you want to be doing. And if the people you work with can't do that, then you haven't got the right people. Simple as that and I call this out many a time and people don't like that I call it out, but this is that's the end of it. There's a lot of people who work in IT that are geared up on their skill set 15 to 20 years ago, kept up with it a little bit and are not interested in the fact that the whole industry is completely changing and they they don't like it and it pees them off and they don't want to do it and you're the one who pays for it. You, the customer, is the one who pays for it because they'll keep selling you the same old rubbish that's been around. And they'll sell it to you again. They'll sell you another server over five years. And yes, you can buy a server. That doesn't mean that this is the end of servers in every part of a business. It isn't by a long shot. Because remember, these big servers go into data centers and companies put them into data centers and make their own clouds. So the reason the stuff's still for sale is because A, someone's buying it and B, somebody does need it. But if you're a small business, you do not do not need to do this. You can remove all of this stuff from your life. You can remove all of these headaches. You can reduce your costs. You can simplify how you work. You can have this situation where you open your mobile phone, you open your laptop, you open your computer at home and all the data that you want exactly as you left it is there and it's safe and it's secure and it's available at any time. You can have all of this stuff by adopting the cloud, by moving to services like Google G Suite. That's how you you do this kind of things. And this is about being preactive. It is about asking questions about what is the problem in my business that bugs me? How can I overcome it? How can I overcome the snow day? How can I overcome if my building burns down? How can I overcome this problem? Not if your building burns down, we will rebuild your system in X amount of days. That's rubbish. You don't want that. What you want to do is how do I get rid of the problem to my business with my, tech, with my data if the building burns down so that I don't have that problem so that the building can in fact burn down and I don't care. I'm not that inconvenienced by it. And I know that sounds like I'm being a bit flippant about it, but anyway, I'm going to get into a bit of a tirade and a rant now. So calm down. So that's the end of this week's episode No Techno Bubble. Don't be proactive, be preactive. I hope it's been helpful for you. So this is episode five now. We also have a sister podcast, which is Free Talk Friday on a Monday, which you'll also find on our site. So please go and give that one a listen to. If you can leave a review for us uh, on Apple and on Stitcher, that helps people find us and get a bigger audience, which we'd like to do, because I believe that we've got some things to say here that are helpful to you and your business. Again, I'm Kyle Heath. You can find out more about what I do at Kimberly.com. That's where our business is based. Thank you very much for listening and I look forward to speaking to you on episode six.